0: Uh, Kirk was catching, he would caught it in the bullpen he's like, just throw one, like we're losing 13 to 1 or whatever the heck <laughs> it was in that game
1: <laughs> Sir, are, are you asking me to lay down on your couch and tell you how that makes me feel?
2: Yeah, I am <laughs> could merge two jays players into one with the powers of both who would it be Do you wanted to go first yeah hyunjin ryu and vladimir guerrero jr <music> and welcome to episode number 195 of the artificial turf wars where we promise to deliver to you your weekly dose of baseball nonsense i am your host Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the, um, hmm, amusing Joshua Hausam. Josh! <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was all hyped to get a good tagline, and then, and then I'm like, man, I don't have an adjective. I don't like reusing adjectives, because there's there's so much to you, Josh. I don't feel I comfortable reusing adjectives. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Blue Chase, and we're also going to talk about uh, the Baltimore Orioles. But first... Pearson's hurt because that's how he do. Uh, George Springer's day to day. um, The Blue Jays had a pitcher transaction with some familiar names. Um, You have a look at uh, some pitchers again because you are actually physically down there. Um, We have... uh, The Blue Jays are going to be on camera, not... Not really broadcasting in the sense, but you know, on camera for spring training, we have an interview with uh, Jake English of Bird's Eye View Baltimore uh, teeing up the abysmal season that the Baltimore Orioles are about to have. We have your questions and, um, Hey man, it's just spring training is, uh, is the quote of the week, which we will get to after that. Josh, we shall begin with the, I would say the most significant injury so far of the spring, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it has to be. You want to tee it up? It
2: is a groin. So we haven't heard about bone chips in an elbow, um, like, you know, certain New York Yankees fans have heard about. So I guess that's good. Uh, Apparently, Nate Pearson just letting it loose a little too much. And now we are looking at not making opening day.
0: Yeah, apparently he got got a groin strain in that one inning that he pitched. (laughs) You know, he had the hardest average fastball velocity of anyone in all the spring training for anyone threw more than ten fastballs. But he's already on the shelf again, which it's supposed to be minor grade one strain, and he's already throwing from one hundred and twenty or one hundred and eighty feet or something like that. And it's so it doesn't seem major, but it's a setback, and you know that's not what you wanted, right? Because he's been counted on for so much.
2: Yeah, and we we already know that it's going to be difficult to manage his the the stress level on his arm with innings. And I think any time you have to add a rehab segment, it adds uncertainty, right? Not necessarily wear and tear, but you just don't know if he if when is he going to be at a hundred percent, hundred percent, and and is it good for him to throw at a hundred percent? Then for how long is it? Uh, I don't know. I that's the thing with. Uh, Prospects who have not had enough time to to demonstrate what they're capable of.
0: Yeah. And you know, obviously he got hurt last year and he was hurt the year before that and hurt the, he's been hurt a lot. And you know, none of the injuries are consistent. You know, like he got hit by a comeback or he had a concussion, he had the little elbow thing last year, and this is a groin strain. So, so it's not like he's having consistent problems with his arms or with his back or something like that that is you know something you're just constantly worrying about like with say brian maraki brian Meraki, wow <laughs> brian baraki new guy <laughs> yeah wow that was, that was a different one um so on that end of things it's not overly worrisome but you know it's you wanted the guy to be healthy and have a full spring training and then come out and be the number two starter that the jays really need and now he's at least the start of the season not going to be that
2: yeah uh the other injury which i think is probably a lot less significant is uh, uh george springer who yes is worth 150 million dollars to the jays but he has some some was it tight muscle tightness in his side did they really get more specific than
0: that no because it seems yeah. to be very 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 minor
2: so they put him as day to day. They didn't even say he was injured. They just went, well, why would we? Why would we put him in a game when you know maybe a day or two and he's going to feel fine again? So I'm, I'm, I'm less thrown off by that uh, as I am with the Pearson problem. Um, but this yeah, is what, and, what and he went
0: through full workouts the day after, which was today. <laughs> We're recording this Wednesday, and he might even play on Thursday or Friday. So it, it just seemed like it was just really very much. He's a little sore scratch him because it's spring training and it does not matter.
2: Yeah. um, The Blue Jays uh, have been winning games in spring training and I'm like, yep, still doesn't matter as usual. It's not a, not a big shocker there. Um, Blue Jays must really love Joel Payamps, but not, not like love, love him (laughs) because he keeps leaving and coming back. So this time, yeah, Jacob back has snuck through waivers uh and and pay amps is back.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the plan is for Pay Amps, but it does give the Jays another optionable reliever. And I like like things like this. Like he's very much the fortieth man on the roster, as we know, because he's already been DFA'd once. <laughs> <laughs> um but now they have him and Waggus back. So these kind of moves that just create extra depth which could be really important in a season like this um i don't know i think i have no problem with it we you know we talked about pamps when they first got him and piamps i think it is not pamps but um you know also like he'll probably pitch at some point assuming he stays with the blue jays through the end of the of the of the spring because there is absolutely no guarantee that that will happen but you know like it's not a bad move so if,
2: if do you think if you are a major leaguer uh or major minor leaguer who got caught in um DFA uh hell um whether you would uh demand number 40 when you finally made a roster <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would demand number 41 cuz that's really more accurate <laughs>
2: Yeah it's like <laughs> I'm barely even on this team right now <laughs> and I I want y'all to know I know I'm barely on this team right now Exactly. So the fallout from all of this uh, uh, shuffling and injury and everything else is, of course, uh, good news for Ross Tripling, right?
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny because going into this offseason, well, I say going into after they signed Ray because that was like two days into the off season. I kept seeing all these things about what the rotation was going to be. And they were always Thomas Hatch or Anthony K or even TJ Zoick, And people were just like, seem to be completely forgetting that Ross Stripling was on the team, even though last year he was awful, but he's been a really solid pitcher for the previous five years. And he seemed like he should be in the mix for a rotation spot. Now, obviously once they got mats and Ray back and then they, you know, Rourke can't go to the bullpen really. But so then he kind of got pushed out, but he was the logical next guy in line. So, it makes sense that, as was announced, he's currently the guy that's going to be getting that spot.
2: Um, and now we have actually met the Mets. Uh, he's he's shown up twice, and already people are saying that, oh, wow, he's the great bounce-back candidate. I think that might be the most premature assessment of, of a rotational bounce-back candidate I have seen in a long, long time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, five spring training innings, especially at the beginning of spring training, don't really tell you a whole lot.
2: No, but there's uh, there's articles out there, more than one. Hey, Steven Matz, this looks like he's good news for the Blue Jays. Well, yeah, his arm didn't fall off when he got out there. I guess that's good news,
0: but that, that doesn't.
2: It's not yeah, worth an I mean, article.
0: He came out like he came out and he's thrown hard. He's throwing. Uh, I saw him pitch his last outing where he threw three shutout innings against the Phillies. There were some. Real Phillies in there, not not many. Um, he looked good. Like he's throwing ninety four, ninety five, ninety six. Good mix of pitches. Good curveball, changeup. I think he threw a few sliders. I didn't remember that he threw a slider, but oh, actually they were cutters. But he looked good. That's fine. <laughs> 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 he looked healthy. You know, he was throwing it. it's not like you know Tanner Roark coming out there throwing eighty nine, which is worrisome because Tanner Roark already lost velocity. But yeah, I mean. It was the opposite of bad in the sense of like, you know, like nothing went wrong, which is all you can really say for most of spring training, unless a guy comes out throwing three miles an hour harder or with some amazing new pitch. That's not what happened with Matt's. He just looked like Stephen Matt's. It's like no
2: digital ink need be spilled over this, but okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're just spilling some digital airwaves, but. (laughs)
2: Well, uh, we're complaining yeah. about it, though. <laughs>
0: That's fair. That's fair. No, like, I was really impressed with what I saw, but I've been impressed with Steven Matz in the past because he has the stuff to be a good pitcher. It's just, you know, he is who he is. And I, I still expect that he's going to be the, you know, four-ish ERA type of pitcher that he was in 2018 and 2019. Five spring training innings definitely didn't change that. <laughs>
2: Um, Your unusual uh, scouting schedule uh, also allows you to uh, speak to apparently some of the same pitchers you've already seen, but tell us who you were able to actually see down in Florida this past week.
0: Yeah, I literally keep seeing the exact same pitchers. I've been to three games and it's been the same guys every single time. (laughs) Um, Now, the nice thing about that is it's all of the major league relievers as opposed to, you know, someone that might not be on the roster for four years, but uh yeah, so I, Anthony Kay debuted a cutter in a game last year, actually. Uh, apparently, uh, Kirk was catching. He'd caught it in the bullpen. He's like, just throw one. Like, we're losing 13-1 to one or whatever the heck it was in that game. <laughs> 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 they were what's, getting blown over the Yankees. What's the worst that could happen if you yeah. throw this pitch? And he got a really ugly swing from Brett Gardner. So, it's like, okay. So, he worked on it on the offseason. And in, he threw a bunch of them in the game I saw, and actually, it's a really nice weapon for him. It comes in around like eighty-six to eighty-eight. Topped it. To, he hit ninety with it once, but it just that it gives him a speed variance between his high seventies curveball and his ninety-five mile an hour fastball that's still breaking in that same direction, as opposed to his changeup, which goes the other way. So that's the kind of thing that I think is worth actually writing about because it is a it's a skill change, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I was impressed with it. Like, he, he threw a bunch of them, and nobody did anything with them. I mean, again, spring training, and he was facing the Orioles, but sorry, Jake.
2: All this is in advance of an interview. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they but, lost that game.
0: <sighs> yeah. No, they didn't. Didn't they lose 4-3? No, that's the game that they walked off when they were went up 13-4 because it's spring training.
2: Oh.
0: Um, he did give up a gigantic home run to Ryan Mountcastle. I think that was him. But uh, anyway, but he's looked really good. I've, I've been really impressed with him. And, you know, for him, it's really just always going to all going to be about if he can locate enough because his stuff is there.
2: Yeah. Uh, and that's what spring training is for is this kind of experiment. Um, we used to have really great pitchers on this team that would talk about how spring training for them was just an experimental time to get warm back up and to try new things and not worry about the result on the scoreboard. Um, We don't we don't have any of those pitchers anymore, at least not once you talk about that. Hyunjin Ryu might be trying something, but he's not chatting with anyone. um, Duh. Not yet, anyway.
0: Um so that yeah, kind Baraki of, is the other yeah. guy. I just wanted to... Sorry. Yeah, to say, and you,
2: you, you obviously have more than one pitcher here, because that doesn't cover enough innings. <laughs> so Baraki yeah. continues like to I, Barak, I said, Barak.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's he hit 98 in, in the last game I was at, but on the stat cast gun, too. So it was like a real 98 or 97.7 or something like that. Uh, he looks, I mean, we, we talked about it last year. He like was sort of looking like Andrew Miller, <laughs> like upper nineties fastball with that, with that nasty slider, which he calls a cutter. It's not a cutter. Um, he, he's still doing that. Uh, he gave up a run in that, in that Phillies game because, you know, if you're just scouting it, it says he gave up a triple and a double, but it was like, it was a double, a legit double that Josh Palacios decided to just miss and turn into a triple. And then a double that was a routine fly ball. As routine as it oh. gets. <laughs> and Cullen Large had no idea where it was going. Uh, oh. A couple strikeouts. But yeah, anyway, just I just want to say yeah. like this is a, another thing. And, he, and he's throwing his change up more to lefties now just to – because that was his big weapon when he came up through the minors where he didn't have the slider. So I think that he's – I'm very confident that he's going to be even better than he was last year on a overall skills perspective because he just he was walking so many guys last year. and He's never done that before. And he's been around the zone for the most part in what I've seen. So it's good.
2: Indeed. Um, All right. So there is one more kind of weird note we have, which is the Blue Jays were not going to be on television. We discussed that a couple of weeks ago, pretty much until the very end of spring training. Uh, the people in Dunedin. I, now, you have to explain to me, who who decided that there would be a way to view games and set this up? The Blue Jays. Okay.
0: The organization.
2: All right. The organization said, uh, we are because well, they are not the broadcasters, which I think people tend to forget. Um, they said, if Sportsnet's not going to show this, we are going to slap a camera up there behind home plate.
0: And in center field. So this and is like a split field. screen.
2: And you can watch to your heart's content. No, no audio.
0: No, <laughs> um, I mean, this is definitely like a shot across the bow of a sports net. It's like, we know how much our fans want this. Here it is as much as best as we can do. Sorry. Um, it's actually really good for watching pictures because it's the reg- It's pretty much the center field camera. Right. Um, I didn't see it because the first they debuted it during the game I was at. But uh, it sounds like people got a kick out of it as much as you can. I mean, like the ball goes in play. It's just like, well, (laughs) (laughs) if it goes to like right or left field, it's like you can't see it. uh, Alejandro Kirk hit this rocket to right field and almost got thrown out at first because he hit it so hard and he runs like Alejandro Kirk. Um, But that wasn't on the camera because you can't see that. (laughs)
2: Yeah, it's it's not a wide angle shot. Not like that. But something uh, yeah, if you if you want just something to distract yourself during a busy day at work and the Blue Jays game is on, it's literally on.
0: Um, where can we do we know where we can find that? Uh, where's Bluebird banter say that? They had it on their on their official Twitter account and then on their website. Yeah, okay.
2: so there you go BlueJays.com. dot uh, cool um which means it is time for us to take a brief break so we can shift on over to the magic of an interview with jake english of bird's eye view baltimore who is going to tell us all about the baltimore orioles and i put this in big air quotes championship season um because that's what we have to call all of the seasons just just contractually uh we'll be right back with jake right after this and artificial turf wars is pleased once again be joined by Jake English of Bird's Eye View Baltimore our uh, our sister podcast in in uh, the great state of Maryland would you say
1: that is that fair Would I say that it's a great state?
0: Uh,
1: (laughs) 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 (sighs) Oh, my goodness. The the discussion already went
2: off the chain.
1: (laughs) Gentlemen, I I would only hesitate to call us your sister podcast because I would hate to sully your great name. But if you'll have us, then by all means, yes.
2: Um, I I think you are most analogous to what we do here um, in that we have no serious affiliations anymore with any official anything. And yet we keep on trucking. So, um, I feel like you're in the same boat.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, as as uh, unaffiliated as it gets.
2: Yeah, which which leaves us wide open to be as critical as we need to be. So I think we should probably just just start with um, we'll get to the elephant in the room uh, with that fan grass prediction, I think a little later. But but we'll start with, <laughs> what did you hope for this offseason season? versus what you got, and is there actually a great gulf between those two things?
1: Well, I think the the answer to your question comes down to um, the reasonable fan versus the unreasonable fan. Um, the Baltimore Orioles are in the midst of not good times, and uh, that's to be expected for some time. So if you're a reasonable fan, you think that there is a chance that this rebuild might pay off, and if that's the case, then there's a timetable for that happening and that timetable for for winning hasn't happened yet. If you're not a reasonable fan, you think, gosh, we've lost for a few years now. when are we ever going to get back to winning? Uh, I'm too impatient to to pay attention uh, no I, I think that uh, the best that we could have hoped for in the off season was to continue to build the stable of talent in the minor league system that has the ability to contribute at the major league level, in addition to developing the talent that is on the cusp. And I think, um, you know, 2020 happening being a very weird season to say the least uh, with a very weird off season to follow. We're probably, we've probably gotten as much from the Orioles um, as we could possibly hope as far as following the course of this rebuild and hoping that we're getting close. I don't expect the Orioles to be good in 2021. I don't expect the Orioles to be good in 2022. But I do hope that by the time the 2023 season rolls around, we are seeing, if not a winning ball club, we are seeing a team that looks like it can be added to with free agency to create a winning ball club.
0: Yeah, I mean... Obviously, SJS fans, that's a scarier thought. That have more contending teams in division, but you don't want to see teams stuck in the rebuild forever. You know, on that. So, like, what did you think of the trades of Iglesias and, well, Cobb was sort of an interesting one. Did, do you think that that helped with this? You know, do you think you got pieces
1: that would potentially help or are they just sort of more, to filler, more filler guys? Sure. Uh, the, um, the, the question is always this. Um, do we have interesting players to watch while the club is rebuilding? Um, I'm going to answer your question by not answering your question and go back to looking at the Orioles failing to, uh, to, uh, pay $10 million for Jonathan VR a couple of seasons ago. Uh, Mm -hmm. they got rid of him and he went off and played elsewhere. And, you know, I thought to myself, Jonathan VR is clearly not, uh, going to be on the next winning Orioles team. And so the question is, do we keep him and at least have an interesting player to watch Uh, while we wait for the minor leaguers? Or do we sell everything in the hopes that Jonathan VR can bring us something that will contribute later? I tend to lean on the fact that you kind of have to thread the needle in keeping some of the interesting players so that you have something to watch for, um, in addition to getting the best values you can out of your trade chips. So I want to say I don't have a problem with any of the trades. Um, but, you know, when you look at a guy like Iglesias, you say, look, he's clearly not going to be here when the Orioles are going to be winning. What can you get for him? And I think the the answer is if you get something that you think might help you at some point down the line, then, yes, it's a good trade. If they're just shedding payroll, that's a little harder to swallow. Iglesias and Cobb, neither of those were uh, a payroll uh, swallowing issue, so I'm I'm fine with both of them. And the fact, frankly, that we got anything out of Alex Cobb, who was nearly another abaldos Jimenez situation, uh, <laughs> with you know a, a free agent pitcher, the the largest amount of money we'd ever given a pitcher as a franchise, we got next to nothing for him. Great guy, you know, got next to nothing from him because of injuries and inefficiencies. D- to get anything at all, yeah, I'll take that.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. And then obviously you're talking about players to watch and, you know, guys to at least keep the 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 roster somewhat exciting it has to be very good news that Trey Mancini seems to be back and beyond his, you know, his cancer issues from last year. I mean, that's a great story.
1: It really is. And, and the thing that I hope is evident from outside of Baltimore is that Trey Mancini is, uh, you know, our probably most prominent player. He is, you know, a, a uh first baseman, uh slash outfielder with the potential uh of, of power hitting. But beyond all of that, he is a phenomenal human being. Like he is a a registered good dude. Um and so to see him uh, be able to overcome uh cancer diagnosis like that and, and get back to playing baseball within a year, it, it is really heartwarming. And by the way, for a baseball team that has very little in the way of heartwarming tales to tell, <laughs> um no there there can be no greater joy than seeing a person like trey Mancini um back to any semblance of normalcy uh it's It's wonderful
2: yeah I, I think you know even if a guy's coming back from a a baseball injury we we tend to root for that guy just naturally um and you hope that that you know that the player proves to be a decent human being as well, so I think cancer is you know the the big uh the big bad kind of thing for a lot of people. And it's very unexpected um, in a, in a younger person. So I, yeah, I I think it'll be a storyline that certainly the the announcers will lean on. And it would be nice if he had a, you know, had a season that that he was able to perform as well. I I think all of that is going to keep people interested at least a little bit in the team. Um, Yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say he got a hit in his first um, spring training at bat. And I don't, I don't care if the ball was grooved or not. Um, it, it was the right outcome. And so part of me hopes that, you know, throughout the, the rest of the season, you know, maybe he'll get a few grooved fastballs. That would be okay with me. They're not going to win games anyway. We we might as well get a, a couple of runs now and then.
2: So the other, uh, I guess, sort of uh, attention-grabbing story, in, in, in a sense, is that uh, Felix Hernandez... Is a Baltimore Oriole for a cool one million dollars? Now, obviously, this is not perfect game, Felix Hernandez out there. But um, are you interested in what what he can do uh,
1: with this team? Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> this <laughs> thing fun. about the thing about Baltimore is that we're back to that situation where we are an attractive place to land. If your career is in the last death throes. Um, and that used to be true. You know, we, we, we had a couple of seasons of Jay Payton, um, who just, you know, kind of hung out after he was done being useful for the Red Sox. We had Vladimir Guerrero show up here for reasons, Uh, Jim Tomey played in Baltimore because, (laughs) uh, because so sure. But bring on Felix Hernandez, (laughs) but let's, let's see. And you know what, if he manages to pitch some innings, that's great. And if not, I gotta be honest, it's probably no worse off than if we had given the ball to some other minor league free agent that we would assign because we're not really willing to, to bring in anything else. So, a reclamation project, a guy on the tail end of his career, hoping to get one last bit of magic. Sure. I'm I'm all for it. So I guess the question then becomes
0: among the young players. So not, not the returning star, not the reclamation guys like Matt Harvey as well. (laughs) That's going to be fun. Um, Who are the, the players that are actually going to likely be on the big league roster whose development
1: matters that you're looking forward to seeing? Sure. That's a good question. So we've probably got a a couple of tiers of players uh, to worry about. The thing about the Orioles system is that for so long, we had nothing. I mean, nothing. The Orioles lost for 14 consecutive years. They were always drafting near the top, and we had no doubt can't-miss guys that would come through the system, and sure enough, there were doubts and they would miss. And it was that way consistently, which is why we were so bad for so long. The real question is, can the Orioles system, now that we're drafting near the top again, if not at the top, develop these players and get something out of them? And so when you look at, let's take our starting rotation, three of the homegrown talents that we expect to see on the roster are going to be John Mean, uh, it's going to be Keegan Aiken and it's going to be Dean Kramer. Well, Kramer came from a trade, but Dean Kramer. Those are the the three guys that are are going to be on the the starting rotation. John Means was an all star a couple of years ago, but I don't want anybody to get the impression that we think that this guy is a true number one starter. The question is, can those three guys be major league pitchers in a major league rotation? Right? Is it appropriate for those guys to be a three uh, you know, a two or three starter uh, or even a five starter in this league? Because if so, that's great. Even a five starter has a lot of value and you can build around that. And if you have a, a stable of arms, they're going to come up and could pitch on any of the 30 major league baseball rotations. Then you have something. The question is, do you, do you go through all this rebuild draft really high and then find out, Oh crap, this sucks. Right? <laughs> Hmm. That's what we're gonna find out this year. So when it comes to John Means, Dean Kramer, and Keegan Aiken, the question is, can these guys pitch at the major league level every five days for anybody? Right. Not not a team like the Orioles, which is a team of opportunity. I mean, for real, can these guys pitch? And they're gonna pitch in front of a questionable defense, and they're gonna pitch on the other side of a questionable offense. So, you know, the win and loss uh record really doesn't matter. The question is. Are they major league caliber talent? Um, And I think that's what this year and the next year is about. Because once we identify those guys, sure, okay, uh, Dean Kramer and Keegan Aiken are, you know, a a four and five guy. John Means is a number two guy. Okay, that's great. So that means that we got to go out and get ourselves a legit ace and then another starting pitcher. Now we know what the shopping list is. Um, And so right now we have players that have spent the last couple of years racing through the minors, being highly uh regarded as, you know with with the uh, major publications, and now we have to see if that's going to play out at the major league level, so that you know come twenty twenty three god I hope uh the Orioles will know what they have to acquire to build around their talent um, uh, of of young arms and that that goes all through the 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 team as well uh you know from the infield to the outfield and 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 throughout uh you know we have this core of players that's coming up. And we really have to see what we've got. Are these major league players or not? And then beyond that, there's like a, another tier that is still in development. So uh, some of the, the arms in our system that are really well regarded, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, uh, is like the next wave. Um, and the real test of this team and this rebuild process is can you avoid the, you know, decade long lull? Uh, to the point where you 're continually building a sustainable system that you know has higher lows and uh, the the greater chance for high highs
2: is there a reason to believe that there has been a philosophical change in the organization or a skill level change in terms of player development um, in in the interim to prevent that from happening or
1: continuing yes. Yes, hundred percent. As a as a baseball fan, uh, whether you're one of the reasonable or unreasonable ones, it's impossible to look at uh, the Michael Elias regime and say that these guys are not incredibly. I, I, I'm trying not to say more qualified than the Duquette regime, but yeah, let's say that from a from a baseball um, analysis from a, a talent. Uh, acquisition and and judgment and from a development standpoint, I think that the Elias regime is uh, leaps and bounds ahead of where Duquette was. Duquette obviously got, you know, got us to the playoffs you know, gave this team a chance to win the World Series in 2014 and shouldn't take anything away from that. Um, but it was really a damn the torpedoes approach uh, that gave us a very short window to work with. And when you look at Elias, it really has shaken the foundation of the organization uh, and and built something that should be more sustainable. Uh, hopefully, you know, again, that that two-year window that I'm looking at for, uh, when we'll be competitive again will happen, but it's really easy to look at the organization as it's constructed now uh, again, from a player development standpoint, from a, a talent acquisition from from the same metrics, everything, and say this is a team that it knows much more about how to build a winner than it did just five years ago.
2: I think that's that's good in general because I think you know it, a, a, a stomping a team on which to stomp in any division is is not good for the sport you know tanking teams are not are not fun for anybody um not even their opponents really um but i said that we would address the elephant in the room and the elephant in the room is the fangraphs playoff prediction grid which i i know you know in a real mathematical sense this doesn't mean much uh but you Normally, you see the team at the bottom of the division have a two or three percent chance of making the playoffs. And Fangraphs went and slapped a big old zero in front of the Baltimore Orioles. How how did you feel about that? I think is what I'm just going to ask,
1: sir. So, are you asking me to lay down on your couch and tell you how that makes me feel?
2: Yeah, I am. <laughs> I open up your heart to the, to the pain of an actual 0% chance of making the playoffs as
1: per one, you know, extremely sophisticated mathematical model. <laughs> sure. Well, I, I think it goes beyond that. And gentlemen, I, not to date myself, but I was born in 1983. I watched the last Orioles World Series in a onesie. <laughs> I'm, f- I'm familiar with Orioles teams that had no chance of making the playoffs. Like I, that's my existence that that comes out from a major publication. They said, you don't have a chance and that's supposed to hurt my feelings. I don't have feelings left. Uh, no, that doesn't bother me at all. And in fact, any, any fan that looks at that big zero and says, Hey, that's not fair. is not paying attention. This team does have zero chance to make the playoffs. And, um, Uh, I I have zero problem with that. In fact, you know, back in 2012, when the Orioles shocked the world and made it to the playoffs, you know, after 14 years of of losing, they did shock the world. Okay. That's great. We're not supposed to win this year. Well, hopefully that'll change. I just, I don't expect it. And by the way, if it did happen, I would be shocked. Just the way it's supposed
2: to be. All right. Well, uh, I, at this point, pretty much ask uh every every uh i would say representative but you're not really representative of them every fan that we have on um about the potential position in the division i think we can all agree that fifth is is the most likely position for the orioles again no hard feelings how many games do you think the orioles might win in this presumably 162 game season
1: well, oh, see, I, I'm really glad that you pulled that off at the end. So let me let me dodge your question for just a couple of moments and ask you, <laughs> he, he, at least I'm honest, guys. At least I'm honest. <laughs> let, let me ask you w- whether or not you think we're going to see 162 games. Guys,
2: I Yeah, I think the league is... Well,
1: 155 plus. There's my dodging your question. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me we're going to see more than one game. Yes. <laughs> right. I'll take that as an answer. Um, you know, I, this this question is is hard. Um, but I, I would say that if the Orioles won any more than 68 games, I would be shocked. Uh, but I expect them to win probably, you know, 62 to 64. So you're looking at... You know, a hundred ninety-eight to a hundred losses is, is what I'm expecting. You're, you're
2: hoping for that. Hey, can they avoid a hundred losses in the last two weeks of the season? That that's the the, the breath holding moment.
1: <laughs> Again, I've been there before. <laughs> but the difference the difference here is that uh, you know it's easier to see a plan now than it was in say you know 2009. Um, and so in 2009, the Orioles were trying to win and just not. And now they're trying to build an organization and also not winning. Um, so, yeah, would it be nice to not lose 100 games? Absolutely. But what is the difference between losing 100 games and losing 96? Nothing. We're still, yeah. still going to have a rough season.
2: It's just to give you something to do.
1: Uh <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the
2: folks can find you at, uh, bird's eye view, Baltimore on the podcast, which you said to me is weekly during the season and monthly during the off season, which seems like a reasonable schedule. Uh, if they want to tune in to your unedited, unabashed feelings about, uh, the Baltimore Orioles, uh, with your partner, um, anywhere else we can find you on the internet.
1: Uh, sure yeah you can absolutely follow our show on twitter uh because clearly you want oriole's opinions is, is why you're listening to this show right uh, but oh, if you'd 100%. like to follow us on twitter yeah, we're at View bal um you can find our podcasts anywhere that you find podcasts uh we've got a website which is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com uh we're on you know, Instagram and Facebook and we used to be on Google Plus. We're on Snapchat, <laughs> but Twitter. Tw- Twitter. Find us on Twitter. Birds Eye V A S. Just go to Twitter.
2: All right. Thank you very much for joining us. I wish your team all the best in the coming season, even though that's not going to make a difference in this case.
1: Wah, wah, wah. <laughs>
2: Um, I would have to say I admire Jake's. Um, the power of acceptance is is a is a beautiful thing, especially when it comes to being a fan of a really abysmally bad sports team.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, he has a very good outlook on this team, and you know he has fun with it, and that's that's really what the point is, right? Yeah, I mean,
2: you could be all depressed and mad every year, but why? I mean, the team's just going to be the team, regardless. Uh, yeah, so. And the question is, uh, how much time do you dedicate, I think, to said team? And then that that kind of we've been covering this team, I think we're going on about what, 10 years? In one, one context or another,
0: you and I? Ten years.
2: Well, when did you first start writing on the internet for?
0: It's like twenty fourteen. Oh, I guess it's twenty thirteen, yeah. It's eight years. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, I remember doing a recap of 2012 on, on my own you know, personal blog. So I'm pushing nine to ten years here because I was recapping 2012. So that means I was writing for all of 2012. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, we may have passed into that slightly insane um, period where we cover the team no matter what's happening and we don't know why. But that's because I think people are still curious about the team. People who ask questions.
0: Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly.
1: Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question.
2: Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Ten years and my segues are not getting any less awkward, but that's fine. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, first question, John Gibbons, number one fan, at YaBoy 9892, asks, If you had to make a prediction, what portion of saves will Yates and Romano get? That's kind of an interesting one, actually.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be Yates pretty much getting all, all of them except when he needs a day off because uh, like he's going to be the full time closer. So Is that like a 90-10? Normal- oh, well, I mean, it doesn't usually work out that way just because you get these people getting like three inning saves or like, you know, the guy pitches the eighth and the lead goes up. So, yeah, 85-15, somewhere, somewhere in that area, or 85-10 with another five somewhere else. But yeah, it's going to be mostly Yates.
2: I'm going to say 70-30 because of some weird thing that goes down in the middle of the season and Romano has to step up. I don't even think it's necessarily an injury. It'll just be some someone will lose confidence in something for a short period of time and then, and then something else will happen and suddenly Yates will be back. But that's uh, just a random prediction, essentially. L at Ellie Ellie Hart asks, I'm... If you could merge two Jays players into one with the powers of both, who would it be?
0: Do you want to go first?
2: Yeah, Hyunjin Ryu and Vladimir Guerrero Jr.
0: That's player. I don't know if that guy... <laughs> That's an interesting route you took to that one.
2: That is the Shohei Otani of the Blue Jays roster. That's what that is.
0: Okay. Um. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, blew, I blew your mind.
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just blew your mind. That's okay, Josh. <laughs> You'll be fine.
0: I was going to say... Like uh, Santiago Espinal and Randall Grichuk, so you get the power of Grichuk and the contact ability of Espinal and the defense of Espinal.
2: Are you Are you positing that I could have ended up with the pitching ability of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and the hitting skills <laughs> yep. of Yunjin Ryu accidentally? I guess yes. I, I didn't specify that, but I didn't. But then kn- you can okay. get the
0: beep Ryu call that they did when he hit his first home run with the Dodgers. <laughs>
2: oh my goodness i don't know how i feel about my answer now how people are going to take that uh okay our third question uh is from david hahn at davy danger pants uh thanks once again for wearing a mask in your pick i feel more comfortable answering it this way uh atkins has said in the past they hope for quote a good story to emerge out of the farm system Sorry, good story was the quote. Uh, Given the obvious need for starting pitching and the number of starters on the cusp of the big league team, who are the most and least likely good story pitching candidates this year?
0: Oh, boy. If if
2: someone were to fill those, those you know, fourth starter innings, because we know the fifth ones belong to Tanner Roark, is there someone out there?
0: Yeah, so I think it's Hatch. uh, If we're talking about someone who's likely to be that on the major league roster. Um, you know, I just think he's the guy who has the most upside of the people who's currently slated to be in the minors. Cause I just, I don't know what the health of Julian Merriweather. Um, yeah. I, it's hard to think of someone who's the least likely. <laughs> I don't really know how to, how to deal with something like that. Every time we're talking about like a prospect, who's unlikely to do something. Um, who's the who's
2: least likely among all of the guys, maybe in camp right now to actually get to the major league roster. This season? Yeah.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think I'll go with, well, Jacob Waggis back because he's still in camp. But uh, <laughs> I, I think, but of guys that like people are thinking something of, I still think that TJ Zoik is probably limited in what he's going to provide this season. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to try to predict like what low minors guys or, or mid minors guys are going to fail because yeah, <laughs> who that wants to do lot. that?
2: Yeah. And, and it, it's just par for the course, but you, you think TJ is is just not quite, uh, not valuable to the major league team at this point in his career. He has not developed enough.
0: Yeah. I think, I think if he's starting games for you, then something has gone wrong essentially.
2: I think that's fair. Um I, I do not have the insight that you have, so I'm going to let your answer stand there, because I had the killer answer for the uh, merging Jade Players question. I think I'm going <laughs> to let that stand on its merits. Uh, those were the questions for this week, so thank you once again for all the questioners. We do have something we haven't handed out for a while, a uh, a gold star. I think that's rather brilliant.
1: So I did good, right? I mean, I have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it.
2: Indeed. And who this week earns our gold star, Josh?
0: Yeah, so this goes to Twins lefty. Molly was their closer before. Now he's probably the setup guy again. Taylor Rogers pitching in a spring training game and wasn't going that great. Gave up you know, a couple of a couple of base runners, and he threw. He got squeezed on six or seven straight pitches. <laughs> he turned to the ump and yelled, "It's spring training, man! Come on!" <laughs> I just have we, have we ever that. just
2: handed out a gold star for honesty before? just
0: (laughs) i don't know but i think it's worthy (laughs) it's like i come on it's like i got a pitch count here like just call some strikes so we can move forward with this stupid thing
2: yeah nobody wants to warm anybody in the middle of an inning nobody wants to throw 30 pitches and you're standing in the way of all of that so yes i understand i'm having a bad day
0: Move it along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, I love it. It's like, I don't, but this doesn't matter to me. Why does it matter so much to you? <laughs> oh.
2: oh man. Yeah. Spring training is still weird. And I think it's gotten weirder with, with the seven inning game thing. It's just like,
0: Oh, seven inning game.
2: You say, <laughs> well, if, if, if anyone deigns to actually play seven innings,
0: no. So the first game I was at, I've been to three games. The first game I was at, was supposed to be seven innings. It was tied after six and a half, and the game just ended. The Jays didn't play the bottom with a chance to win the game. Mm -hmm. The second game was eight innings. (laughs) and the third game, the Blue Jays... Obviously, they
2: found that inning from the other game and gave it back.
0: Yeah. In the third game, the Blue Jays were winning big, going into the bottom of the ninth as the home team. They played it anyway and then walked off because the other team ran out of pitches. So they played like eight and four outs. (laughs) Spring training is fun.
2: Yeah, it doesn't resemble baseball, but it's fun. Yeah. Ah, well, I think we are well-oriented towards uh, the Baltimore Orioles and now well-oriented towards another very, very relatively uneventful week in uh, Blue Jay spring training, which is what you want them to be. I, I cannot emphasize that enough. But I would ask <laughs> you if you have a final thought on on this, the end of the podcast.
0: Yeah, uh, so the Jake Odorizzi dreams are over. He signed with the Astros after Framber Valdez went out for the season, probably with an injury, and it was likely never to happen. But it's just this is the rotation that the Jays are going to go with, and it's fine, I guess. Like I I would have preferred another pitcher, but it is what it is, and they just have to hope that the offense you know steps up the way it really, really can.
2: Yeah, I mean, if if you just beat the crap out of them, uh, they won't notice that your pitching is a little suspect at times.
0: Hashtag nine runs.
2: And, yep, nine runs, baby. Bring it back. It was so much fun. But where's Dwayne Murphy, man? With that, <laughs> that book that just had... it. That, that my thought is we need to just bring his binder back that on every page just says hashtag smack-a-tater. <laughs> that, that's my hitting coach's book. Oh, my goodness. Well, um... We have reached the point where I say that you have been Joshua Housam at Joshua Housam. And I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. And our guest was Jake English, uh, who you can find on the Twitter at uh, BirdseyeViewBAL. I believe he told us earlier. Uh, And this has been uh, episode number 195 of Artificial Turf Wars. And we will talk at you next week.